This past Thursday is an important, was an important day in the life of the church, one that usually slips right by. It was what we call Ascension Day, the day that Jesus rose from the Mount of Olives, Olives and ascended into heaven before his disciples. And so today, as Ascension Sunday, uh, I'm going to be reading about that story from the first chapter of the book of Acts, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The book of Acts is the second volume in a two-part story about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. The first volume is the Gospel according to Luke. Now, both books were written by the same author and addressed to someone called Theophilus. Now, we don't actually know who Theophilus was, whether it was a specific person or just any believer who read these books. After all, the name Theophilus means lover of God. And so maybe, maybe these books were written for you. In book one, we read about the, the birth of Jesus, about his gathering of his disciples, his miracles and his teachings, his arrest, trial, and death on the cross. Then we hear the shocking news about his resurrection, about his subsequent appearances to his disciples and his ascension into heaven. 
In book two, we back up just a bit and hear once again about how Jesus appeared to his disciples over a 40-day period, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Then before he ascended, he told them that they were going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and that they were going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But in order for them to do that, they had to stay there in Jerusalem and wait. Now the disciples had already done a good bit of waiting. I mean, they had followed Jesus around for the last three years, listening to his teachings, waiting for him to do something. They had just waited for what seemed like a lifetime as Jesus hung there dying on the cross. Then they waited through the longest weekend of their lives, wondering if they too were going to get arrested and killed. And now they've been waiting with Jesus for the last 40 days since his resurrection, listening to his teachings about the kingdom, wondering when he was going to do something. But now Jesus tells them that he's leaving them and they're going to have to wait some more. Was it now the time for him to usher in his kingdom? Why did there have to be more waiting? Waiting is never easy for us, is it? I mean, whether we are waiting for something wonderful or something we dread, so often, in the words of Tom Petty, the waiting is the hardest part. Waiting is particularly difficult for us in this digital age of instant everything, where we kind of expect to get whatever we want whenever we want it. Do you remember a couple of years ago during COVID when we got so upset when Amazon Prime deliveries were no longer coming the next day? I mean, it kind of felt like our civil rights had been violated. We just hate to wait. And yet, there are so many things in life for which we have no choice but to wait. We wait for test results to come back, for a job offer to come through, for a, a companion to come into our lives. We wait for healing to occur, for vacation to finally get here, for the next season of our favorite show to come out on Netflix. We wait for a child to be born, for that child's bedtime to arrive, <laughs> for that child to go off to college, for that child to come home to visit. Sometimes, we sit around holding the hands of the ones we love, waiting for them to die. And surely all of us are waiting with anticipation for that great reunion to come in heaven with all those who have gone before us. But oh, how hard it is for us to wait. Of course, waiting is nothing new for the people of God. I mean, just read through the Bible. And Abraham and Sarah waited decades in order to finally have a son of their own. 
The Israelites waited 400 years in slavery in Egypt before being redeemed, only to have to wait 40 more years in the wilderness before entering the promised land. All of Israel waited almost a millennium after David for his true son to arrive, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And now the church has been waiting almost 2,000 years for him to return in the same way you saw him go into heaven so that he could usher in his kingdom finally and fully once and for all. Clearly, God is not opposed to us having to wait. In fact, it, it almost seems to be a part of his plan. But why? What purpose could there possibly be to all of our waiting? As modern folks, we tend to be very goal-oriented. We've been taught to, to set goals for ourselves and work hard to accomplish those goals. And while we're en route to, to something, we, we're always been trained to keep our eyes on the prize, the end goal. And so whenever we have to wait for something along the way, it feels like a colossal waste of our time. I mean, after all, we've got goals to achieve. We don't have time to wait. And yet, you know, I don't think God is all that concerned about how, about how well we achieve our personal goals in life. I think God is far more interested in what is happening inside of us along the way and what we are doing in the day that we have than in any future plans we're hoping to fulfill. This is why it is so important that we learn to pray. For you see, when we pray, we become more aware of what God is doing in our lives today. And so many of heaven's greatest blessings come to us while we are waiting for something else. But only those who are paying attention are able to receive those blessings. Remember, today is really the only day that any of us have. Right? I mean, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. This is why Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. This day is all we've got. And we all receive daily bread like manna in the wilderness in so many little ways each day that we often miss because we are not paying attention. And prayer is what gives us the lenses to see this daily manna in our lives when it comes so that we can live life to the fullest every day. This is also why Jesus told his disciples not to worry about the time when he would return to usher in his kingdom in all its fullness. For spending time worrying about that, or worse, trying to figure all out exactly when it's going to happen, is not only being disobedient to Jesus' own words, but it is a titanic waste of our time. After all, as Jesus makes clear, that information is not for us to know. And so, what a tragic waste of the only day that we have 
to spend our time worrying about that. That's like staring up into heaven, looking for a Jesus who's actually present and at work within us and among us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is that same Spirit that Jesus has promised to give each of us, just as he promised his first disciples. But in order to receive that Spirit, they had to stay there and pray. That's why it was so important that they did not leave Jerusalem. They needed to, to be together so they could be praying together for this gift. For again, prayer is what prepares us to receive the gifts of heaven. Prayer opens up a door in our lives for God to work, allowing us to be more attuned to God's presence and God's will. See, prayer is not really so much our way of getting what we want from God, but God's way of getting what God wants for us. And what God wants for all of us is that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we have the power of the risen Christ within us, and that we learn to pay attention to what Jesus is doing so that we can be his witnesses to this world that he was dying to love. Of course, there's often been a lot of confusion about what being a witness means in the church. We have a tendency to, to think that, that being a witness means we're supposed to go out there and argue people into the faith, to make converts and save souls and make things happen. But that's actually the Holy Spirit's job. Now, only the Holy Spirit can open someone's eyes up to the truth and, and, and make them followers of Jesus. And besides, ask any courtroom judge, and we've got a couple here, and they'll tell you, the last thing they want a witness to do is to get creative and make things happen. No, a witness's job is to speak the truth to tell what they have seen and heard, to share what they know and what they have experienced. But unless you've been paying careful attention to what's been going on around you, you can't be a very good witness. And imagine someone taking the stand and being asked about an incident and saying, well, I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I really wasn't paying very good attention. That doesn't mean that that person is not a witness. It just means that they are of no use as a witness. This is why the question is not really whether or not we're going to be a witness for Jesus. After all, he, he didn't say, if you so choose, you can be my witnesses. No, he said, you will be my witnesses. Anyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ becomes his witness to the world around us. No matter where we are, everything that we say or do proclaims something about Jesus to those who are around us. So, the real question is not, are we His witnesses? But what kind of witnesses are we?
What does the way that we carry out our jobs say about the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives? What does the kind of language that we use or the TV shows that we watch or what we do behind closed doors reflect about the Holy One of God who calls us to righteousness? How does the way that we treat other people or talk about other people or serve other people bear witness to the presence and ongoing ministry of the risen Savior? What do our priorities reveal about the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives? What kind of a witness are we being to those around us? If we have learned to pay attention, that we might receive the manna from heaven when it comes, by learning how to pray, or if we have not, either way, it will be revealed by the way that we live our lives every day, especially when we have to wait. Remember, we have been chosen for a purpose. You and I are the people whom Jesus has called to make him known to the rest of the world. And we do so through our words and our actions, indeed through our, our entire lives. So whether you accept it or not, we are his witnesses. And our job is to speak the truth, to tell what we have seen and heard, to share what we know and what we have experienced. But the only way for us to do that faithfully is if we become people who have learned to pay attention by committing ourselves to prayer. It is the only way we will ever be of any use to Jesus as a witness. Amen.